2: As expected, continued buzz around the quarterbacks, especially when it comes to the 11th overall pick, Justin Fields.
1: Breaking down the Bears beating news around the NFL.
2: Head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus. Where, where do we even start? We start at HITS? Do we start at the HITS acronym and principles? Hustle, yeah. intensity, takeaways on both sides of the football. Yeah. Okay, yep. okay, for the defense and the offense. And then smart football.
1: Former WNBA star. And the ball stolen away. Didn't see her coming. at Perkins... Gets the clean steal over to Dales, easy land. Stacy Dales off a beautiful feed from Elaine Powell. Stacy Dales with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score.
3: Mully and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tom Thayer in for Mully today. And it's time now to go out to our guest hotline. And all guests appear on The Score hotline. Brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's Largest sports book where we find Stacy Dales from the NFL Network. Good morning, Stacy. How are you?
2: Good morning. Tom, David. I'm I'm hey, the weather stinks out here, but I'm good.
3: Oh, stop it. Yeah, we're jealous. <laughs> now, tell us what it's like before we get to some football. You wake up this morning. I would imagine that it's a little bit early out there to gauge much reaction locally, but you wake up in a market where the Super Bowl news cycle has been hijacked by the NBA trade deadline. Kevin Durant <laughs> is a member of the Phoenix Suns. How big of a deal? That's got to be the biggest story in town right now, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I, well, I you know, I just laughed. I did good morning football this morning. I got up at 3. We started on air at 5. And my crew, as I walked in, it's the talk the talk of the crew. And my crew is actually based out of Vegas. So, <laughs> yeah, it's big news here. I, I thought there was a lot of uh, buzz and attention surrounding Super Bowl fifty seven, but the NBA never surprises me anymore. I mean LeBron, you know, gets his record this week and Kevin Durant becomes a son, a Phoenix son. So it's uh yeah, it's a, it's a big time in sports this week, especially in Phoenix.
1: Hey, Stace, when you walk around Phoenix or wherever you're hanging out and you kind of look at the crowd that's generated, you think of Kansas City, you know, they're right next to Arizona, so there's people that can buy tickets at the last minute and drive over there. And then you got a team coming all the way from Philly over to Arizona. Can you get a feel of the crowd, the support, or the atmosphere yet in the Arizona area?
2: Absolutely, Tom. Um, It started for me on opening night on Monday because that's the fan venue, right? So you have both Super Bowl teams come in for basically their Super Bowl introductions for an hour. They're pressed by media members from across across the globe. I mean, Denmark, Germany, the U.K., um, you name it. And, of course, all of us, every entity here in America. And then there's the fans, and, like, we're asking them questions. And the Eagles, I'm covering the Eagles this week specifically, and those fans were loud. And that was just over at the basketball venue where the WNBA uh, Mercury play. So, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty electric, Tom. I mean, it's and, and listen, we haven't had this sense of availability really, to be honest, since the, before COVID. So COVID year, we don't have anything. We, we're basically relegated to. Um, our devices to talk on Zoom with all these guys. And last year, a lot of it was Zoom, too. I covered the Rams at the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 56 last year. But we are back in full media effect. We are at every riser. I get to talk to whatever player and coach I want. And, um, you know, it feels like we're finally back in full throttle.
3: Joined by Stacey Dales here on the Mullion Hawes show from the NFL Network. Stacey, you were doing your hits yesterday or maybe it was a couple of days ago, but you are – Donning the gear, you have the, for, uh, for effect, you put on a T-shirt, Hungry Dogs Run Faster, and it's a product <laughs> of the offensive line for the Eagles, the mantra that they have adopted. And I think we talked so much about how, and Tom and I have discussed it this morning, boy, the Eagles' pass rush is going to dominate, and boy, the Eagles' pass rush could be the factor in this game. Almost overshadowing how good this Eagle offensive line is, they've got to feel like they can control this outcome as well.
2: There's no question. Um, listening to Jason Kelsey this week, and I'd I love to hear Tom, too, as a former lineman, just his thoughts on it. I mean, Kelsey had told me yesterday, like, we feel you give us any scheme, we can run whatever scheme you want. Their offense is so ridiculously versatile, the Eagles, that I, I just, I know they're the favorite, but for some reason, the mystique of Patrick Mahomes, they in a way still feel like the underdog. but. I just cannot express how complete this team feels that they are and appears that they are. If you watch them, if you put the film on, if you go back and look at their, the ways they've won this season, like Kel- for Kelsey to tell me yesterday, okay, it starts with your quarterback Jalen hurts allows them to be so multiple. He has a cannon for his arm. His The, the, most, the biggest improvement that I'm told by his teammates that he's made is his reads and how quick the ball comes out this year um, when he's in the huddle. But, you have to account for his legs and it's just so hard to figure out which edge he's going to go off of if he does run it or if he goes up the middle and they're just so dynamic in terms of their skill players on the perimeter with their tight end included in Goddard that the offensive line is just the where it all starts and I know Tom's grinning over there in Chicago because I I know you agree with that Tom I mean these guys are just built for success from from the left to the right side of that line
1: you, you know, Stacey, I think the thing that gives the offensive line such great versatility is Jason Kelsey. When you look at his ability to make all the organized calls at the line of scrimmage according to both, pass, or both plays that have already been called in the huddle, but uh, when you have a center that can pull as effectively as he does, it doesn't leave you out of any play against any defense you're facing. So uh, it's good to hear that by Kelsey and as much as he wants to compliment Jalen Hurts, I think Jason Kelsey is an equal important part of uh, what their offense is capable of doing?
2: Oh, there's no question about it, Tom. You're 100% spot on. Um, In fact, you know, covering this team this year, I've had multiple games of theirs. Like To hear Nick Sirianni say arguably the smartest player he's ever coached. He's in his 12th season, right? So he should be pretty good at this point. But um, he he is... and, And then he's just the nicest guy in the world. He's got a baby on the way. His wife Kylie is pregnant. She's 38 weeks on Sunday, you guys. So he's like, God, please don't let it happen this weekend, and if it does, I don't want to know about it during the game.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, Stacey, all all week that you've been around the Eagles, what has been with this increased access, and it is Super Bowl week, what's been maybe the most memorable uh, exchange or interview, or something that has struck you as maybe something you didn't expect?
2: Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, I, I... what, what I've noticed, David, is the young players that get to Super Bowls, they, they're so not used to the magnitude. I, we talk about distractions all the time, right? It's, it gets kind of annoying, like the questions. How are you managing the distractions? What are you doing? You don't know until you've literally been here. And so I in all the Super Bowls I've covered, you get young players who are like, do we have to do the media? But they're tired of it by the end of the week because literally, guys, you know this. It's Monday for an hour, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, and they are finally done with it on Friday. They are not used to it. These young players. So for instance, Devonte Smith receiver for the Eagles is in what now is third season or, or is it? Yeah. Third season, I think second season. And like I asked him, I, I, I said, what's the message? Okay. No distractions. And I said, but does it. And, and keep it normal. Well, does it really feel normal? And he goes, honestly, no, it doesn't. And I said, well, how do you like all this? And he goes, Um, it is what it is, (laughs) but I say all that. And then I go stand at Kelsey's uh, podium and I go talk to Lane Johnson and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, who are now a decade in the league. They don't, they want more. They're like, they got to get wrapped up because guys, these are decade long players and they're just soaking up every moment. So it's just such an interesting dichotomy to get the young players who have to do all this, but then the old players, they want more of it. And it's just really cool because you realize how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl.
1: Stacey, you've been around the Philadelphia Eagles, but you've also spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs. When you look at Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes against the combination over in Philly, do you think Kansas City has a significant head coach quarterback advantage because of their experiences then on the Philly side?
2: Um, I I, I do, just because of Patrick Mahomes. I think he's just brilliantly magic with the football, and he's obviously probably going to win the MVP. Um, Jalen Hurts, I presume, would be the runner-up this year in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes has virtually every offensive record, Tom, as you know. And uh, you always think you have a chance when you have somebody like him, when you have somebody like Tom Brady, when you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers. It goes with the territory when you're that kind of quarterback. I I just don't know. I to me it hinges upon his offensive line, right and the bookends, like Orlando Brown all the way down to Andrew Wiley's and there's my wild card right there. How are you going to handle the waves of Eagles defensive players in this game because whether they play four down or five down, they never get tired. I mean Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are you know Brandon Graham is a backup and Hassan Reddick has 19 and a half sacks. Josh Sweat, they have four guys with double digits in sacks. They have 78 sacks. And it's just really hard. They never get tired. And it allows their secondary to be so tight in coverage. So that's where it's going to be really interesting to me. Um, what they do in coverage, they're the best pass defense in coverage because their front's so good. And I, I know that because I listen to the players and I talk to them. And I watch them. And it's just that to me is, If if Patrick Mahomes beats this team, I will believe he's going to go down in history as legendary because this defense is phenomenal.
3: Stacy, you know you're talking to a Chicago audience. You're a regular on this show, so we can be provincial and we do think Bears. So I wondered what your reaction was as as immersed as you are in the Eagles this week covering them in the NFC. Matt Nagy did talk to Chicago reporters for the first time (laughs) really at length since he was fired a year ago and he acknowledged that he didn't succeed in the failure, that he poor communication, whatever the case may be. Just curious what your reaction was in either being around Matt Nagy or hearing what he had to say.
2: Um, I think when he speaks, it's genuine. Uh, I'll never forget, speaking of the Chiefs, when they had a preseason game in Chicago this offseason, David, and I talked to him on the field, and he was actually quite emotional. He told me then, and remember, this is back in August uh, of 2022, so just this past August, and he told me this is the first time he's really had closure from, like, being around the Bears again, standing on the field and hugging some of his former players, like Demo, David Montgomery, or whoever it may be. Roquan was still there. And for that to be the first time he had closure, excuse me, after months, having been let go of by the team and after the turmoil that existed in his tenure, um, it wasn't emotional for him. And he, he did acknowledge like as he did this week, he made mistakes. I just think it's really raw and I appreciate the honesty from him. I expect nothing less. He's just such a great guy. Um, like I texted him when they, when I found out they uh, got in, you know, we're going to the super bowl and I just congratulated him and he, He just deferred. It's pretty great to have 15, you know, like he's just such a good guy. It's hard not to root for Matt Nagy, regardless of how you feel about his track record in Chicago.
1: Well, what's, I mean, you know, when you think about this game and, you know, the last minute preparation before the the game actually kicks off, is there anything that the public is waiting to see or waiting to hear? Or is like, like they say, the haze in the barn. Now it's ready for kickoff.
2: No, these guys are ready to play. Last week, Tom, you would you would have been as a player. You know what it's like in this this time of year. It's, um, I guess the one thing I would say is I, I every nobody's 100% this time of year health-wise. Nobody, right? You play 20 weeks of an NFL season, so like they've been reporting on Patrick Mahomes. I haven't been in on their side of it. I've been reporting on the Eagles, but on his ankle, his right ankle the Eagles expect him to be guaranteed full full go and then you think about Jalen Hurts's shoulder well it hasn't proved to impact him over the past few weeks either so nobody's 100% everybody's going to put on their best game face and you know I'm just kind of curious like my little you know off sort of x-factor topic would be the kickers and Harrison Butker and uh, Jake Elliott they're both so good in the playoffs Jake Elliott was just Sensational in the Super Bowl fifty, what was it fifty two win for the Eagles in the two thousand seventeen season. I think he hit three field goals in that game. If this game is close, you guys, which one of those two guys is going to be better? I mean, it always can come down to a field goal, and uh, we'll see. I mean, that could be a big X factor in the game.
3: Jake Elliott, local guy, That's, so that'd yeah. be a, a fun story here in Chicago in this area. All right, Stacy. So I am fascinated by Nick Sirianni. I, I love. The impact he has had. I don't know how important of a role he has played with this roster that is so good. But as you have been around this team this week, and as America gets to know this guy who might be the Super Bowl winning coach Sunday night, what? How would you describe Nick Sirianni to somebody who has never seen the Eagles play before?
2: Oh my gosh, what you see is what you get. He is—he's awesome. He is just awesome. You know, people say their roster's so talented. He has nothing to do with it. I disagree with that because when the players tell me we bought into Nicky, like Hasan Reddick calls him Nicky, um, when 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 the players buy into what the coach is doing over the course of two years, because this is his second season, it it, it wasn't just a one-hit wonder. They start two and five last year, right? They go on to make the playoffs. Nobody expected it. He found a way to galvanize them last year. And it does help when you have some veteran leaders like Kelsey, like Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. But it can't just be those players. He found a way to develop Jalen Hurts. Sometimes that's as simple as believing in somebody. And, you know, when he showed up to a podium at one point with a Jalen Hurts T-shirt on, your quarterback knows that. Your quarterback hears that. Your quarterback sees that. And you guys know this in life. Anytime your bosses believe in you and give you feedback that's great and coach you up the right way, you get better. And so Nick Sirianni has done that. He's infused confidence in his players. He believes in his players. And he has five core values. The first one is be connected. And these guys are undeniably connected. The reason you get to these places at this time of year is not just how good you can play. It's. How is the chemistry on your team? The teams with the best chemistry make the Super Bowl, period. And I believe Nick Sirianni has had a major hand in that.
1: You know, Stace, the seriousness of Nick Sirianni kind of was relevant when he had his kids up at the table with him after the (laughs) NFC championship win, and he was correcting them as the media was asking questions. So Philadelphia wins the game. He's finally going to the podium after all the hoopla. Kids with him, or are they with mom?
2: (laughs) They better damn well be with him because, okay, so I'm so glad you brought this up, Tom, because do you know how many times I watched that press conference after the NFC Championship with he, with his <laughs> little boys? He's got the older boy, he's got the youngest boy, and he's got the middle daughter, Taylor, who's five. I watched that thing probably 30 times, and I belly laughed every time because Taylor <laughs> mimicked him the whole time. It, you know, I requested an interview with her this week, just so you know. And mom and dad declined all interviews with Taylor. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So, nice try. Yeah, want to put her there but yeah he better bring her and if i if they win i'm on the field um with them for post-game interviews and i'm i'm gonna i don't know i might pass up jalen hurts to get a quote from taylor
3: (laughs) can't wait stacy looking forward to it enjoy yourself you've done a great job this week in arizona keep up the good work
2: i appreciate you guys thank you as always
3: stacy dales from the nfl network she will be there sunday night in arizona in glendale on the field so Follow her on Twitter uh, at Stacey Dales, and she will be back next week reporting whatever she finds from the Super Bowl win or lose with the Eagles. But she's done a terrific job. What's your Twitter handle? It's just at David Haw. Okay. Yeah, it's nothing fancy. What What, what would you th- What you don't have a Twitter <laughs> handle, so I can't even ask you that in return because you don't tweet. No, I don't. You are what you tweet. I'm th- I'm too thin-skinned for that. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that, Tom. There. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to reset the crazy NBA. What are the Bulls looking at as the 2 p.m. trade deadline approaches? What happened overnight? And do they really want Russell Westbrook? Do you? 312, 644, 67, Tom Thayer is in for Molly. It's Molly and Haw. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. What?
2: I
3: know
2: who I am? Y'all know who I am.
3: Yes, we do. Kevin Durant. He's the man on the move, on his way to Phoenix to become a member of the Phoenix Suns. Now the odds-on favorite to win the Western Conference. It's Mullion Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The Score. Tom Thayer in for Mully today. Okay, we need to reset real quickly before we get back to some of your Super Bowl stories, Tom, because I'm entertaining. I'm being entertained during the breaks as much as I am during the show. This has been a lot of fun. All right, this is what you need to know if you are just getting up and getting out. Kevin Durant's on his way to Phoenix. The Nets make a blockbuster trade. They're getting three players and four draft picks. The Brooklyn Nets get four first-rounders and three players for Kevin Durant, and they gave up Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and four unprotected future first-round picks. So that's the, the biggest story in sports this morning. Secondly, the NBA, trade de- deadline, 2 o'clock. The Lakers pulled off a blockbuster. They get D'Angelo Russell coming back to L.A. They are sending, as a result of a three-team deal, Mike Conley's going to Minneapolis to play for the Timberwolves. Russell Westbrook on his way to Utah. Don't know if he's going to play for the Jazz. The rumor is he's going to be bought out. Chris Haynes from uh, TNT is reporting in the Bleacher Report the Bulls are one of the teams potentially interested in signing Russell Westbrook, if that happens, they would have to maneuver the rosters, move some things around. Do you want Russell Westbrook? 312-644-67-67. The Bulls canceled their shoot around their or their their morning shoot around before tonight's game in Brooklyn against the Nets. They're gonna do it at the hotel. Don't know if that means anything, but hey, it's the NBA trade deadline day, and the clock is ticking louder than ever and Arturis Kerner shows his office because 2 o'clock we'll get here, and in the next four hours we'll see if they make a move.
1: You know, unfortunately, I don't think Russell Russell Westbrook is going to want to come to Chicago because if you do get bought out and then you have the opportunity to go to anywhere in the NBA, is there going to be somebody out there that may think that he's not necessarily the missing piece to a championship, but do they have a, a, a position that is so down? for what he can contribute, I mean, they, can they bring him there? Because this is not a long-term Clippers deal. Clippers rumored. I think the Heat's interested. And there are other teams involved. Right, this is not a long-term deal no. for Russell Westbrook. This is just to bring him here, let him play out the season, and see what happened to him Del's next year. advocate,
3: though, you're Russell Westbrook. You've been traded four times in five years. You are on, you, you are on your last NBA leg. Don't you want a friendly face? Uh, down at the bench don't you want somebody who's coaching you that you trust and have had success with before in billy donovan that's the only reason this makes any sense and i don't think it does but if you want to argue it that's the way you would argue it russell westbrook billy donovan whatever he has left that's the coach to get
1: out of him do you think it to convince russell westbrook to come here that billy donovan has to stop chewing his gum so aggressively (laughs) so get some words out of his mouth but because I have I mean, since since Dick and Pete Carroll, I've never seen anybody work a piece of gum like Billy Donovan. But that, that's just joking aside. But it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, has Billy Donovan continued to approve enough to wrestle Russell Westbrook? Westbrook? Jeez, it's hard to say. I know. Um, it's hard to see. This is this is a destination that he belongs I- in because of him. You know, you're know, you still going to look at the record. You're still going to look at the playoff positioning. You're going to still look at what you could do in the postseason. And- it's the Bulls hail Mary pass for the season. It's a desperate plea for help. I don't
3: think it makes any sense. I would avoid it if I could. This is not somebody who is going to. I know he's averaging 15, 6, and 7. Everybody, he's got so many triple doubles, but this isn't that guy. I don't know how he would fit. I wouldn't like to see it, even though it is possible until we hear otherwise but uh, how many
1: how many guys in I the NBA know. average 15, 6, and seven?? That's a good question. I bet you could get probably sixty guys in the NBA that has those types of numbers attached to what they're doing. so that is
3: you know on the on the front burner today, the NBA tread deadline has hijacked the Super Bowl news cycle, but speaking of the Super Bowl, during the break, Dustin asked a good question and asking you about your experience at the Super Bowl and whether or not the William Perry scoring a touchdown was sort of the beginning of the prop bet era in sports gambling, and that's fascinating, but I found it even more interesting, your recollection that when William Perry scored the fridge, a touchdown as a defensive tackle, taking the handoff,
1: you as the right guard for the Chicago Bears Thought he was going to throw a pass? No, 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 no. No, so the first time that we got down to the goal line, you see William Perry lined up with Walter Payton in the backfield. Okay. They pitched the ball to William Perry okay. to give um, the assumption that he was going to run a sweep. But what it was supposed to be, William Perry was supposed to throw the ball to Emory Moorhead. So I pull out there, and I'm the lead blocker for William Perry, but I'm also hesitant because I don't want to get beyond the line of scrimmage because I knew oh, William was going to throw it. it. Okay. So they cover Emery Moorhead off the line of scrimmage. Then William reads this with the great reaction by William, then he tucked the ball and then I saw him run and then I went down through a block and then he got the amount of yards out of it that he, he could have. It was good that he didn't throw the ball because they were covering Emery at that point. But then after that he was supposed to throw the ball and he didn't, then they kept him in the backfield, and they have him run a couple of one-yard runs to get his touchdown. So he had a run-pass option. The fridge had a run-pass option. He he optioned it to run when he saw Emory Moorhead being covered, but the play called for him to throw the ball to, to throw oh the ball. Gosh. Yes,
3: that would have just been. You talk about the highlight is as memorable as as it is now. Imagine the fridge throwing a pass, right? A touchdown pass,
1: and I and I think that was you know before the betting wasn't talked about as much as it is nowadays in the yeah. world of today and you know we kind of shied away from any all of that but i think there were prop bets whether william was going to throw a touchdown pass in the super bowl or or run a score a touchdown which
3: made you wonder where that information was coming from frankly because it was such a, a a crazy concept to consider at the time i know that he had already had that experience in the backfield but to throw a pass out of that that play action that would have taken some
1: Well, you figure, so he came in as a lead blocker, then came in as a lead blocker against Green Bay on Monday Night Football, and then finally got a carry, and then he caught a touchdown pass against Green Bay during the regular season. And I think that was the whole cherry on top. Okay, if he ran one in, he blocked for one in, he caught one in, now let's let him throw one. Well, that's the thing, though. It's one
3: thing to ask a defensive tackle to carry the ball or to, to be a lead blocker. Even I guess because of the tackle eligible uh, plays that we see, you know, with with offensive tackles catching the ball, maybe a defensive tackle catching the ball wasn't that crazy of a concept. But throwing a pass, that is what I think would have been. I, yeah, it, it, it would a
1: bit absurd. It would have set it over top. But, you know, the next year, then we went and we played the Denver Broncos in Denver on Monday Night Football, and Dick had put in this play, and it was an option to William Perry. But he wanted McMahon to keep it and take it to the outside and then flip it out. But he kept it in the belly of William Perry too long, and then William tried to grab the football when Jim was going to pull it out, and we ended up fumbling and giving the ball back to to Denver in the next day in meetings, Ditka yelled at everybody because it was kind of a silly play to have a defensive tackle run an option. Right. You know, it's either you got to give it to him. One or the other. Get out of his way. Exactly. And, when, and, that, and I remember Dick in the team meetings as we were watching the tape, he goes, this is a great, great football play designed by a great, great football coach. <laughs> and and he, was, you know, he was just so mad so, that
3: it ended up being a fumble. It's the last time we get a chance to talk to you before Super Bowl Sunday. And so I've got to ask you this. I, I assume that there was no greater moment than winning a Super Bowl on that day is that a correct assumption was that your greatest day as a professional football player um yeah
1: yeah by far that and winning the win in the nfc championship game to have the right to go to the super bowl because of what it meant to the city but you're also i played a year and 16 days straight of football yeah. whereas we won the super bowl i walked right to the locker room and took my stuff off and shower and everything because for the, for the first time in all of those weeks going back to back USFL to NFL, I finally had a day off (laughs) and it was, it was an amazing accomplishment and to be there with your family and the city of Chicago and the role it played in just what the, the greatness of this city is. So that was January 26th. Yeah. And going back to the previous January, how many football games had you actually played consecutively? 44. Cuz in the USFL we had we we had um we didn't have preseason games, we had preseason scrimmages. So we practiced we had a couple against the Denver Gold and the Oakland Invaders and then we had 20 regular season games then the playoffs, and then I actually drove Saturday night from uh, Scottsdale, from Tempe Stadium, nonstop all the way to Madison, Wisconsin, bought a scooter in Madison, Wisconsin, and drove it to (laughs) Platteville.
3: 44 games is crazy, Tom. I think when you talk, so you must bristle every time you hear the term load management for anybody in any sport.
1: Yeah, I kind of laugh at (laughs) it, you know, because it's... um you know, having the opportunity to play with the Chicago Blitz and then moved out to Arizona for a couple years, but then they have the opportunity to come back to Chicago, it's super invigorating, man. Having the opportunity to come back and compete for a position on your hometown NFL football team is bigger than life, but I was also scared to death because of the reputation of Ditka. I was playing with a guy in the USFL that had already tried out for the Bears, and he was just saying, you gotta get ready for McMichael and Hampton. Those guys are taping up their sleeves before practice everything is live and so you know i had a little bit of fear going into it and during memory from that
3: day winning the super bowl was it walking off the field exhausted looking forward to a day off or what
1: was the what's the image or snapshot that comes into your mind first um, people fighting over hats and T-shirts in the locker room. We never They didn't bring any champagne in for us, so we didn't have that type of celebration. And it was more of because there's already talk about Buddy Ryan leaving. Then you're talking about how free agency is going to dismantle the team for the most part. And then it was just everybody going off in their different directions, and I think I walked to Popeye's chicken, <laughs> ate chicken, and then went back to my room. <laughs> That's great. All right, he's Tom Thayer. He's been Wait, in for Molly today. Popeye's chicken in New Orleans. Yes, Tom. What's that? There's so many good restaurants. I know, but you know, he was hungry. Yeah, it was quick. You're a Walking distance.
3: All right, it's time to get the transition next with Dan and Lawrence. Tom Thayer in for Molly. It's Mully and ha, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?